All right, here we go. What is up, everybody? I'm AJ, and I'm going to break down UFC 255 in full, full audio breakdown. Before doing so, I'd like to let you all know that if you'd like to tail my plays for the event, I have three at the time I'm recording this. I'm actually recording this just prior to uh, the Fight Night card um, the week prior. So uh, the night before UFC Fight Night, Dosanias versus Felder. At this point in time, I have three bets posted for the event. You can do so at AJ's actionpacksportsbets.com backslash premium hyphen subscription tab or on MMAoddsbreaker.com on the premium picks tab. And all my bets are third-party tracked and verified at betmma.tips backslash anthonys364. Even if you're not tailing, I wish you the best of luck. And uh, let's do this, shall we? So uh, like like I just said, <clears throat> three bets. Could it possibly move in on one more depending on uh, the line movement, what the odds are, et cetera? It's a prop bet, so not exactly sure, but just – Three with the potential for one more. Don't see me moving in on any more uh, for that card. Write-up's already done, so let's get right down to business, shall we? So uh, just some quick thoughts. Uh, obviously, we've got two titles on the line. We've got the men's 125-pound uh, flyweight strap on the line. Davison Figueredo's first title defense against Alex Perez. And we have El, uh, Valentina Shevchenko uh, defending her 125-pound uh, women's flyweight belt against Jennifer Maya here. Obviously, Shevchenko has had uh, numerous title defenses under her belt already. Um, and both of these fighters, uh, you know, all four of them really are, are true uh, high-level talent. So I do think that uh, these bookings here are very intriguing, as we'll get into. But as it pertains to the card as a whole, it's pretty interesting. I think that there's some fights, uh, unlike some other cards recently, I think there's some fights here that are fairly easier to read, just based off the fact that we have a lot more uh, data of these fighters in an actual UFC octagon. Sometimes it could be tougher to gauge from regional footage or a uh, level of opposition that uh, it hasn't been tested at a UFC level to see where the skill level of a given fighter is at. But in this particular card, we have a lot of fighters that are UFC experienced, obviously some more than others uh, by a wide margin. Uh, don't get me wrong. We have some fighters that have not, not a whole lot of UFC footage, but uh, enough to make a, you know, a decent read on them if they don't have say, a lot of UFC footage. There's like some contender series footage, which again, you're under the, the bright lake, the bright lights at uh, apex <clears throat> in Las Vegas, Nevada, as well as some other uh, promotions like LFA and whatnot. So there's enough there where I'm not really uh, looking super hard on like regional tape uh, for the vast majority of these fighters, except for like one that we'll get into right off the bat. So um, that kind of explains, I guess my uh, th there's, there's conviction that I have in some, some of these picks more than others. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's some that, that I don't have a lot of conviction in that I'll touch on. Um, but uh, it, it makes for, I guess, an easier way to analyze the styles of matchup. There's not as many unknowns. And for that reason, um, it makes, uh, you, you know, more fun. You know, the researching process more fun. You don't have to scratch your head looking for footage, uh, just knowing that you don't have to look that hard for it. So uh, enough jibber jabber. We'll get right into this. So Kyle Dock has taken on uh, Dustin uh, Stol Stoltzfus. Um, so Dustin is actually the gentleman I was referring to who, uh, the one fighter on this card who the footage of him is just scarce. We had the contender series fight where it only played out for, uh, not even the first round. It actually ended in the first round. And there's, uh, one other fight of his on YouTube that only went to the earlier part of the second round. And there's just like some highlight reel footage. So not a whole lot to gauge, um, for him as a fighter. Uh, but that there is enough out there for me to favor Dalkis. I don't think that Dustin's. Uh, takedown defense is good. I think it's kind of on the, the liable side. I don't think that Dalkus is a great offensive wrestler, uh, but what he can do is go for single legs, body locks, and Dustin has shown that he cannot defend single leg takedowns. I know that in his post-threat interview on the contender series that he said he wasn't doing a whole lot of training with his grappling, but then 
I went back and watched the other fight uh, that I was alluding to of his, and he was still taken down easily there. Didn't really show a sprawl. So uh, Dalkus <clears throat> should be able to control where this fight goes. Um, on the feet, that'll give Dustin, I think, his best chance to win. I do think he's the more polished striker, but don't get me wrong. Dalkus is a solid striker himself. Um, he's going to be a little longer, not not necessarily in terms of uh, arm reach. They're about actually pretty comparable in terms of arm reach, but uh, Dalkus is like four inches taller, which could help him uh, when this fight hits the ground. Um, he actually does have ever-improving striking on a fight-to-fight basis. He's got a nice one-two combo. Uh, his, his punches are fairly crisp, uh, but that said, I do favor Dustin on the feet. He's got some power. Maybe he could hurt Dalkus because we saw Dalkus hurt by uh, Brendan Allen there twice in that fight in round one and then uh, round two basically at the buzzer there. So it's possible that Dustin can maybe hurt Dalkus on the feet. But I think what we're probably going to see here is Dalkus has because he has better wrestling. He should be able to get this fight to the ground. He uh, has the Brazilian jiu-jitsu credentials to back it up. He's a brown belt. Um, I don't know what Dustin's rank is, but he's shown some jiu-jitsu chops. I mean, uh, Dustin has a, a twister submission win on his resume after all. I mean, you can't be a slouch on the ground uh, and have that, that type of submission on your resume. I mean, it's a very high level move. You don't, we don't see very many of them uh, because they're so hard to pull off. You know, we, we saw obviously Bryce Mitchell do it, green zombie. It's just so rare to actually see it. So the fact that he even has that submission on his resume and there's been some other, you know, grappling exchanges I've seen of Dustin where he could, you know, he does have an active guard off his back. He does threaten with, with uh, leg locks and things like that, that he's definitely, it's definitely not a blowout on the ground, but I think that uh, Dalk is uh, leveraging his length he should be the fighter that ends up in top position. Obviously, um, I thought that Dalkus showed good scrambling ability and very good positional awareness against a guy like Brandon Allen, who we've seen time and time again is a definitely a talented fighter. I don't know how he's going to do on Saturday, but even before the result, um, he's a guy that has looked promising, 3-0. So it's definitely a, a spot where it is probably the, one of the trickier uh, fights to read on the whole card because of the lack of footage on Dustin. Uh, but that said, I do think that there's enough there to say basically Dalkus should land takedowns. He's much more UFC experienced, uh, much more tested in terms of like his cardio. Um, and, and he should be able to control the fight, uh, win the grappling exchanges, I think, for the most part, get some top control, maybe not get a submission. But again, control the wrestling, get some top control time and uh, maybe advance position a little bit and maybe threaten with some chokes. He likes to threaten from the front headlock position. So there might be something there, uh, assuming uh you know, if, if Dustin doesn't mind his P's and Q's. So my pick is going to be Kyle Dalkus. <clears throat> Alan Joban taking on Jared Gooden. This is the UFC debut of Jared Gooden. There's like a wide age discrepancy here between these two 10 years. Uh, you know, Alan, uh, Alan Joban is, is the senior here of the two in terms of UFC experience. <sighs> the way it breaks down to me is I, I just think, honestly, Alan is, is the much better fighter, like, Striking-wise, I think he's a more varied striker. He'll kick to the body. He'll kick to the head. Uh, he's also got some nice uh, nice uh, straight punches, some sharp punches, some combination striking. Uh, Allen utilizes some very good feints. I think he's got the better footwork of the two. Um, I think he pushes the higher pace and has the better cardio of the two as well. Um, good and don't get me wrong, he's not a bad striker or anything like that. He's got pretty decent boxing at times. Sometimes he could be kind of wild and sloppy, but when he wants to fight composed, uh, he definitely does have some good technical uh, punches to his credit. Um, Gooden's also a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but I'm just not sold on his grappling, man. I've seen him mounted uh, more than once. I've seen him taken down easily. I know that Joban isn't some high-level wrestler, but I think if he wants to take Gooden down, he probably can and probably have success there. Uh, Allen trains under the 10th Planet uh, Jiu-Jitsu uh, system, brown belt. So he could have some success on the ground. He could have success with the wrestling if he chooses. 
uh, wouldn't count on Joban to to try and wrestle persistently because that's not his plan A game plan. He wants to strike primarily. And he's, like I said, a very good striker. But what makes this matchup um, you know, more difficult than it otherwise would be, because like I say, I just think that Allen is the more skilled fighter here, is uh, Allen's durability. He's been hurt uh, several times in fights, you know, the Gunnar Nelson fights prior to the guillotine choke. He's also been hurt by, you know, fighters such as Mike Perry. Um, there's been some other fights as well where he wore the damage well, like against uh, Dwight Grant. Um, and I do think that Gooden has the capability of, of potentially catching Joe Ban on the feet. Uh, I think he's got enough power to potentially hurt Joe Ban, assuming that he doesn't. I think that Joe Ban's going to be the better uh, minute winner here. Um, I mean, there, don't get me wrong. There are some other concerns on, on the Joe Ban side. I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be doing this. Like I said, he's about 37 years old. Uh, he's got like a comment. He's got like an analyst gig with the UFC. Uh, he's also like a model uh, last time I checked too. So he's got some other things going on and he just hasn't fought uh, since April, 2019. So I don't know that he's all in on fighting, but the fight footage tells me that he's just the better fighter here uh, by a pretty decent mar margin, to be honest. So I'm going to pick Joe Ban because again, I just think he's the better fighter as long as he doesn't get caught with a big uh, punch by Gooden or assuming he, and also assuming he comes in near relatively, uh, the, the form that we're used to seeing out of him, I think that he should win here. Like I said, the better striker, more tools, better footwork, uh, potentially a bit faster as well, and better grappler, better wrestler. So uh, the pick to me is going to be Alan Joban. <clears throat> Daniel Rodriguez taking on Nicholas Dalby. This fight was uh, very recently put together, actually. Um, you know, I like Rodriguez here. Um, I do think that long-term I will have concerns for him against <clears> – <throat> A power puncher with some some countering proficiency. He does uh, tend to to leave his chin exposed. You know, if you if you uh, you know throw a punch at him, he tends to like pull his head straight back with his chin up. Uh, we saw Dwight Grant clip him, uh, hurt him. Granted, he went on and and won and recovered. Um, and I don't think that'll hurt him here. But you know, part of the you know part of when I'm analyzing fights, I kind of want to point out the various uh, strengths and weaknesses of, of fighters to see where one fighter could potentially exploit the other and. Uh, again, we do get surprised from time to time, but, you know, me saying this, hopefully, uh, if Dolby happens to clip him with something, which again, don't think it's that likely, but if he happens to, it shouldn't be like this huge surprise, like, oh, like that was impossible. It, it, it couldn't have happened. No, it's possible because like I said, I do think that, uh, definitely Rodriguez does leave openings on the feet. He's very susceptible to counters. Uh, that said, he is the, I think the fighter much, much closer to his athletic prime. I think he's got more upside as a fighter. Um, and on the flip side here. Dalby, um, generally known as being like durable and don't get me wrong. I do think that generally he is durable, but he does get dropped a lot in fights like against Darren Till, Zach Cummings. Uh, and then last fight against Jesse Ronson, who don't get me wrong, very talented, uh, savvy fighter, but not typically known as a huge power puncher, uh, was able to clip Dalby, uh, mount him on the ground and get the rear naked choke. So I think that Rodriguez has the potential. He's shown enough power in his hands. He's shown enough. Uh, aggression, confidence in his striking to where I do think he could walk down Dalby, uh, probably clip him with a big shot and then um, maybe tangle with him on the ground a bit and, and potentially get a ground and pounder, a submission stoppage, uh, just like Joe Ban. Rodriguez has trained other, under the uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu system, so he's not. He's definitely very capable on the ground. Uh, so even though Dalby is a high-level submission grappler himself, Rodriguez shouldn't be uh, completely screwed there or anything like that. Uh, so I do think that it's going to basically come down to the striking uh, as I don't think out of the guy super likely of, you know, shooting takedowns on the other, or again, I do favor that, uh, you know, the, the athleticism, the speed, 
uh, the volume punching and the power threat and and better durability of the two in Rodriguez here. So I do think that it's uh, Rodriguez's fight to lose. And I think that's why we're seeing him here as such a big favorite. I just think that he's got more uh, upside as a fighter too. If you want to look at intangibles, um, has done some work at the BMF ranch with Donald Cerrone and those guys. So uh, I think he, again, I do have my, my long-term concerns about him against another power puncher with some counter proficiency, but in this matchup here against Dolby, who has not shown to be a huge power puncher, I think he'll be fine and, and probably get his hand raised and probably a stoppage, uh, if not maybe even a decision scenario. Um, so there's that. <clears throat> Antonina Shevchenko taking on Ariane Lipsky. I think this fight all depends on what form of Lipsky we're getting here. And Craig Bill are probably like, what do you mean? She's the, she's Ariane Lipsky. She's one person. Well, she actually has fought differently depending on which fights you look at in the UFC. If you want to look at her fight, against uh, Isabel de Pueda. She came out very, very aggressive, very wild, like overly aggressive, and was just overswinging. I mean, don't get me wrong. She throws fast, hard punches. She's got a lot of power in her hands, but she was just way too, way too aggressive there, overly aggressive. And we saw, like, yeah, she got a knockdown there right away, but what happened when she got overly aggressive on the feet as that fight went on for a bit? She actually got taken down there from a double leg easily because she was so overly aggressive. But if you want to look back at, say, her fight against Molly McCann, she, even though she lost that fight by decision, I actually thought the way she chose to strike there was a lot better. She was much more composed. She was, uh, her punches were a lot sharper. She wasn't being uh, wild or overly aggressive. She was throwing good technical straight punches. And if the version of her that fought McCann fights Shevchenko, I think she wins. I think that version of her is more likely to win this fight. I think she's got faster hands than Shevchenko. This is another fight where there is a wide age discrepancy here. Um, Lipsky here is uh, nine, 10 years younger than Shevchenko. Um, and she just from the eye test, I do think she has the faster hands. I think she's got more power in her hands of the two <clears throat> in a fight that should be one or lost standing, because I think that both ladies leave a lot of openings defensively in terms of uh, grappling, uh, not just takedown defense, but, you know, on the ground as well. We saw that uh, in Antonina's fights with uh, not just Caitlin Chukagan last time, where she just, kind of, it was just very one-sided. Chikagin was able to dominate on the ground, but also we saw that against uh, Roxanne Mataferi as well. And then if you want to look at the Lipsky side, uh, even though she went on to win against as <clears throat> Isabel de Pueda, she was taken down there with ease, didn't really show a uh, good takedown offense. She was also controlled there for a bit. Uh, a purple belt jujitsu is Lipsky. Uh, brown belt jujitsu is Shevchenko, but their MMA grappling, I have no doubt that they're you know training jujitsu, but their overall MMA grappling is not it's not at a level to where you would want it to be to have like say a lot of confidence in them to bet them, you know, in a given matchup where there's an opponent that has some level of grappling that could potentially exploit that, you know, don't get me wrong. I bet Lipsky against Luana Carolina last time out, but that was just a matchup where I was confident that Carolina was not going to shoot takedowns. It was just going to take place on the feet. And don't get me wrong. This fight will in all likelihood take place on the feet, but that is just a concern that I have with both of them long-term, just like I said with Rodriguez, I want to point out these weaknesses uh, just so like down the road, it shouldn't be this huge surprise to see like, hey, they got taken down. They kind of got controlled and they lost a decision or something like that. So they both leave openings there. Lipsky, going on to my point, she was also taken down to uh, Molly McCann as well as Joanne Calderwood. She was even threatened on the ground by Calderwood with some submission attempts as well. So they they both could be exploited there. But like I say, one loss in the feet. If Lipsky wants to come out wild and aggressive, and she might because uh, like her two most recent fights where she did that, she won. So she might just think like, oh, like I won when I fought like that. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. 
And I think that'll play right into what Shevchenko wants to do because Shevchenko is a, a counter striker, just like her sister. She's very good at it. She's very experienced in terms of kickboxing. She's got numerous, numerous fights as well as Muay Thai. I think that Shevchenko is the better overall clinch fighter. She's got very hard, uh, hard knees in the clinch. Uh, don't get me wrong. Lipsky's got some good clinch work as well, but of the two, I favor Shevchenko there. And so if she wants to come out wild and overly aggressive and not throw with good technique, then I think that'll play right into what Shevchenko wants to do and counter her, uh, maybe even hurt her. Uh, you know, Lipsky was hurt there against Molly McCann. She doesn't really move her head uh, off the center line all that much. And that could spell problems with her, assuming she doesn't come out, come out composed. But um, I'm actually going to pick Shevchenko here uh, because in all likelihood, even if Lipsky comes out more composed, I do think that Shevchenko does have a legit shot to win, a better chance to win than if than, than Lipsky in the scenario where Lipsky uh, comes out uh, overly aggressive, if that makes sense. So like it, of the two scenarios of Lipsky coming out composed and aggressive, I think that the win percentage is there overall in their entirety favor Shevchenko. So like I say, I'm picking Shevchenko, but don't get me wrong. This is a matchup where I do acknowledge that the underdog here is very live in Lipsky. She's got faster hands. She's got power in her strikes, and she is 10 years younger. So, um, and she offensively on the ground, we saw in our last fight, if you, she, she could be opportunistic. She could grab a hold of something. She could threat with knee bars, uh, as can Shevchenko. So maybe a, a submission out of nowhere happens, but uh, I think that it's mainly going to be one or lost in the feet. So Shevchenko's the pick, but I do consider Lipsky a very live underdog. Joaquin Buckley taking on Jordan Wright. Um, yeah, uh, Mr. Highlight Reel here. So uh, both of them have have produced uh, highlight reel finishes in the past, you know, exciting uh, finishes, obviously more so Buckley with that just very notable one that he had here a couple months ago against Impaka Sangha. And I just, there, there really hasn't been an MMA uh, finish that I've seen like that in all my years of watching this sport. I don't know if anybody else could attest to that, but uh I mean, watching it live, it was crazy. I mean, it was just so – and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it, it was just tremendous. Just Buckley versus uh, uh, and I from a couple cards ago. You could just – it's it's on Wikipedia to search the event and uh, go from there and whatnot. It's probably even on YouTube all over the place. But uh, anyways, it pertains to this matchup here. So this is at middleweight. And why I think that <clears throat> highlight reel knockout aside, input, or excuse me, Joachim here looked a lot better um, in his – fight against Impa than say his previous ones, you know, his previous fights, he was mainly a guy that was kind of like a pocket brawler. He wanted to wing hooks in the pocket and don't get me wrong. He's got fast hands. He's a strong athletic guy. He throws with power, um, all that, but it wasn't like this functional striking game. He wasn't really popping out the jab a whole lot. He wasn't really throwing many kicks. Um, he, he wasn't mixing in really many offensive, uh, offensive takedowns and whatnot. So that was actually, you know, even the lead up to the knockout, obviously the knockout happened. That's what won him the fight ultimately. But even the lead up to that, I like that Buckley just had better round winning tools that he showed. And it, it you know, that, that Holland loss, I was thinking about it. That might've been a learning experience for him to be like, Hey, like, yeah, I mean, I, I can't, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be fighting the way I am because it could maybe lead to me losing a fight. Maybe I should go back and uh, go back to the drawing board and see what I need to, to adapt to my game, to have a long-term, um, stay in the UFC promotion. And uh, in, in just two months time, because uh, that Holland loss happened just a couple months prior to the Impa fight. I mean, he really uh, impressed me, you know, with, with the improvements that he made um, in this matchup here against Wright. Uh, Wright to me is just mainly a guy who will, will stick and move on the outside with kicks. Um, I don't think he controls distance well, because he's not really popping out a jab. He's just kind of uh, using an excessive amount of lateral footwork. And so, 
Buckley being an athletic guy, a uh, quick guy, I think he should be able to close distance and threaten right with power. Um, we've seen right knocked out. Uh, it went down as a no contest, but he was actually knocked out by um, Aaron Hernandez on Dana White's contender series. He was knocked out cold uh, there, which is a concern. And and we know Buckley, you know, even though the high, highlight reel was a, was like a, a spinning heel kick. <laughs> um, he, he does possess power in his hands and he, he is aggressive. He will lock you down. Um, he's, he's got to be even feeling more confident now that he could, he could hurt a lot of guys with it, with his hands or his kick. So uh, right to me, is just kind of one dimensional. Uh, he, again, he'll be able to get off on some kicks cause he'll be a little bit longer than Buckley. Uh, like in terms of height, he's four inches taller, uh, doesn't have like a significant uh, reach advantage per ESPN.com. It's, it's only an inch of reach difference here. So it's mainly going to be this fight. I think where Buckley's just going to walk right down, right. going to try and stick and move on the outside, but Buckley's just going to walk him down, close the distance and, and probably hurt uh, right with something and probably get another knockout to be honest with you. So um, <clears throat> I think that uh, Buckley is, is going to win again. So I, I think that he also just the improvements that he made. I like to see improvements out of fighters um, on a fight to fight basis. It really tells me that they're, um, the arrow is pointing up for, for these young fighters. They're learning, they're growing, they're adapting. So, um, I think that Buckley gets it done here. <clears throat> Brandon Moreno, uh, Brandon Moreno, excuse me, taking on Brandon Royville, battle of the Brandons, um, fun fight, awesome fight for starters. And, uh, you know, what a shoulda, coulda, I don't really like to think like that. Obviously Moreno was initially matched up with Perez um, for this card. And then it was supposed to be Cody Garbrandt taking on Figueredo for the belt. Obviously Cody Garbrandt, uh, couldn't make the weight, which I guess isn't a huge shock in hindsight because Cody has very little body fat on him to begin with. And he's, you know, even, even going down to, to Bantam weight. So for him to cut another 10 pounds, it would have been just, I mean, I, I wouldn't like to see him go through that. Just imagining it in my head. So, I mean, it's probably for the better that this, that these respective matchups happened here, but anyways, pertains to this one. Um, to me, I, I know Roy Bell's exciting. Um, I think he's got a lot of flashy techniques that he could use. He's also a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's definitely skilled on the mats, but I just, I still don't think his game is like that. I don't think his game is as technical enough to really compete with the top five guys in this weight class. Don't get me wrong. Obviously he's got a very nice win over uh, Kai Kara France. He was able to hurt France after France hurt him, uh, was able to capitalize and get a submission in round two, uh, really pressured France. He, that's another good thing about Royville. He, he pressures, he'll get in your face. He's not afraid. He's another guy who trains at, uh, at the camp in Colorado. Um, Factory X Muay Thai was escaping me for a moment with, you know, guys like Jonathan Martinez, Alex Hernandez now, Chris Gutierrez. Like, so they got that whole calf kicking uh, feint game. They'll also throw the knee up the middle as well. Um, but I, I just still think that Royville is a bit raw. For, for this matchup, to be honest, I think that uh, Moreno here is just a much better striker. I think he's the much uh, sharper boxer, uh, more technical, uh, faster hands as well. I think he's got the better defense, Moreno. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, Moreno does leave his chin a little high, uh, but in terms of like head movement, covering up, uh, distance management, I think that Moreno is better there. Um, Moreno, not a huge power threat, but um, he's shown some pop in his hands. Yeah, he wobbled Askar Askarov. Um, you know, he's rocked guys with head kicks, you know, don't get me wrong. His, he doesn't go to the head kick. Um, he doesn't go to the, <laughs> to that well super often, but he does mix in his strikes. Well, if it was nice combinations, does Moreno, we've seen him hurt guys with head kicks like Dustin Ortiz. Um, so if Roy Vale does not, 
adapt and keep his hands high and uh, tuck his chin, then I think that Moreno can maybe hurt him on the feet. Like Rival just, like I said, I mean, he just doesn't really keep his hands high. He keeps his chin high as what well. he did. He keeps his hands low. It sounded weird. He keeps his hands low, keeps his chin high and doesn't really move his head a lot. And that's why he's very susceptible to the encounter. Uh, we saw him hurt by Kai Car France. He was wobbled bad. Um, obviously it was kind of in the moment. Obviously he, he got a very nice spinning back fist and was able to hurt France like right after that. Uh, but again, like it's still a concern seeing him hurt there. And we've also seen him hurt against Casey Kenny. Uh, the regional scene. So I, I think that Moreno has enough. There's enough there for Moreno. He's got very nice countering proficiency as well uh, to maybe hurt Rival on the feet. Maybe Rival catches Moreno with something flashy, but uh, nothing that I would ever, you know, think is the most likely thing because Moreno's really never been hurt. I mean, he got hurt briefly by Benoit, recovered right away, uh, recovered well against Kayakara France, never been finished. Um, anything is possible. Don't get me wrong, but I think that more than likely Moreno would be the fighter more likely to do significant damage on the feet than vice versa. And then in terms of the grappling, like I say, Moreno, or uh, excuse me, uh, Ravel, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but his defensive wrestling, I'd say, is is not good. We saw him taken down several times by Tim Elliott. We've seen him taken on in the regional scene um, in LFA, not just by guys like Casey Kenny. Um, don't get me wrong, his guard isn't easy to pass or anything like that, but uh, Moreno being a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt, a guy who's tangled on the ground with Strong grapplers like Askar Askarov, Juicy Formiga, Dustin Ortiz. I don't think that Moreno's going to be in any kind of serious trouble on the ground. Moreno's also shown to be an explosive guy, a uh, proficient scrambler, um, and, and the better wrestler of the two, I think. So if there are wrestling and grappling exchanges to be had, I actually think it'll be Moreno that gets the better of them. I think he's the better scrambler. Uh, maybe he could hop on Roy Bale's back. Um, maybe the opposite scenario could happen, but I think that Moreno will probably escape. Um, and so the, the takedowns, the top control, that should favor Moreno. So I just think that Moreno has more ways to win. Don't get me wrong. Ravel's a young man. He could be improving on a fight-to-fight basis. He's exciting. Like I say, he's flashy. Uh, but I think that the better round winner, the better, uh, the superior technical fighter overall uh, in terms of wrestling, striking, um, and again, grappling, they're both skilled there as well. But I favor Moreno there even as well. So I think that Moreno more often than not wins this fight. And, uh, you know, the winner of this fight, is maybe going to fight the winner of the main event. So uh, again, it's a very compelling fight at flyweight. Mauricio Shogun Hua taking on Paul Craig, a rematch here. Um, it's it's a tough one. <laughs> it's not it's not one of my more confident leans, but I'm actually going to end up picking uh, Hua here. I mean, don't get me wrong; like I do think that Craig is a lot faster than him. We saw that in in the first fight. Craig's faster; he's sharper, and there's a potential that. Uh, the speed advantage is even more compelling now because uh, since then, uh, who has gotten a bit older? Um, Craig has a bit too, but at the point where who was at in his career, you know, he's close uh, to 40 pro MMA fights. He's close to 40 years of age, whereas Craig's a bit closer to 30. I actually think that the um, time away, the separation and the time actually would favor Craig more of the two. So perhaps he's a bit sharper, Um bit quicker to the punch on the feet, but uh, Craig's durability still concerns me. I mean, both of theirs, their respective durabilities do. Um, so I think that either guy is capable of hurting the other on the feet. Um, in terms of the grappling, they're both skilled there, obviously. We saw who would uh, get a lot of top control time, and it was partly due to the fact that Craig is just really content to be on his back. And um, 
it's just we, we've seen Craig pull off some missions before off his back, um, and it's possible that he could do it against a guy who's not competent in that area. But against a guy like Hua, who's been doing grappling for so long at, at such a high level, just even at this stage of Hua's career, it doesn't seem like Craig's likely to submit him. So it's basically who's going to get more top control time on the ground. It's going to be Hua in all likelihood. We actually even saw on tape uh, Hua looked like he briefly knocked out uh, Craig there. Um, in round two, uh, Craig kind of like woke up upon his head hitting the canvas. Uh, it was actually from ground and pound there. So that's a concern. Uh, again, both of their respective durabilities, but uh, all in all, Rua did not have a whole lot of success getting takedowns. He actually struggled to get the takedowns early, but it was kind of Craig's uh, willingness to kind of be on his back and not really get up from getting taken down that kind of, you know, lost him the fight. So if Craig comes in here and is not so willing to play that guard game, which again, I don't know the game plan, but if he is, uh, there could be another, you know, decision top control victory in route or not another, but a top control uh, decision victory route in favor of Hua here. So uh, I think Craig's best, best chance to win. Uh, it sounds kind of bizarre to say because he usually is a, a submission guy. He, he wins by submission is, is on the feet. Cause like I said, I don't think the speed advantage is going to all of a sudden go away. Um, if anything, it's going to be even more pronounced, like I said. So um, if anything, that should be the game plan. If there's wrestling and top control grappling exchanges we had, I think they'll go in favor of Hua. If there's striking exchanges, I think they'll go in favor of Craig. But, I mean, that said, it's still like Craig, like Hua cannot – it's not like he can't win on the feet. Again, Craig, is, uh, Craig can be hurt. We've seen him knocked out a couple times. Like I said, he was knocked out briefly in the first fight it looked like. So uh, Hua's got enough power in his hands, I think, and – and Craig is, is flawed defensively enough on the feet where Hua could land something um, and maybe do some damage there as well. So uh, Hua there just has a little bit more, um, a little bit wider window, I think, to win this fight, uh, even though he is, um, you know, not as close to his prime as, as Craig is. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hesitantly side here with Mauricio Shogun Hua to win. Next up, we've got Caitlin Chikagan taking on Cynthia Calvillo here. Uh, Chikagan getting right back in there after facing Jessica Andrade. Um, I think this is another tough matchup for her. I mean, obviously, this is a stout test for Calvillo as well. This is Calvillo's second fight at uh, Flyweight, and her first fight, I thought she looked good. Uh, she slowed down there a bit in round four, but she caught like a second wind in round five. Uh, showed good heart, good good determination, willingness to win. We saw that also put on display in round three against Marina Rodriguez, where after losing the first round, she actually – uh, dominant or the first two rounds, she actually dominated round three and almost got uh, a stoppage there to the point where the ref was was intervening and, and telling Rodriguez to, to fight back. And we actually saw Calvillo get a 10 8 there, forcing a draw, a majority draw, 28 28. So, uh, to me, on the feet, I think it could be competitive against Chikagan. She's long, she she varies her attack, uh, she throws in volume, uh, she could win the fight there. But I think that Calvillo is going to be a little quicker to the punch, a little faster. Uh, I think that Calvillo, she didn't go to the late kicks a lot against I, but she has gone to the uh, late kicks in the past. And we have seen Caitlin's uh, leg kicked a lot in a lot of fights against Jennifer Maya, against Joanne Calderwood, most notably, um, and Valentina Shevchenko and even Jessica Andrade. Even though Andrade kicked it very few times, uh, the times that she did kick uh, Caitlin's leg, it really buckled her. So I think that Calvillo on the outside, even though uh, Chikagan is longer, uh, she, I think Calvillo will be a bit quicker. She could attack the leg. I think that Calvillo has got the better uh, pocket boxing, faster hands, better combinations. Um, but I think that the difference maker here for Calvillo will be the, the wrestling and grappling exchanges. Uh, Caitlin Chikagan's takedown defense is not good. 
Uh, she can be taken down easily uh, from caught kicks, like in the Joanne Calderwood fight. We've seen Calvillo get fights to the ground from caught kicks, like against uh, Pollyanna Battaglio. Uh, and also, she's got other ways to get the fight to the ground, double leg takedown. Calvillo's shown chain wrestling ability. She's definitely coming along there. She's been doing some work at uh, American Kickboxing Academy. So she can mix in some wrestling. I think that she could take Caitlin down and wants some top control. Calvillo's very good at, at transitioning. Uh, upon when the fight is about to hit the ground. So if she takes the opposition down, she's very good at ending up in either half guard, side control, or even full mounts. Um, and she's a very good scrambler as Calvillo, a better scrambler of the two, and she's very threatening on the ground. Um, so I think that she could work it, uh, and get in a dominant position here against Caitlin. I mean, don't get me wrong, Caitlin's a brown belt in machine jiu-jitsu. She's definitely not not bad on the ground by any means, but I do think that uh, Calvillo is the better uh, overall mixed martial arts grappler here of the two. Again, better in transitions. I think she's a more threatening strike or threatening scrambler of the two. Um, and I think that if there are clinch exchanges to be had, I actually think that it'll be Calvillo uh, that gets the better of those. We could even see maybe Calvillo hop on uh, Chikagin's back there. We saw that in the Jessica I fight that uh, Calvillo could hop on the opposition's back, sink in the hooks. And when she uh, gets in dominant position, she's very good at uh, sinking both hooks in and maybe even getting a body triangle and threatening with uh, submission attempts or even very hard ground and pound. So um, <clears throat> it's a fight to me where, like like I said, you know, thinking it'd be close on the feet, but I think that what is going to help uh, Kelvio win here is uh, the wrestling, uh, the grappling once on the ground, the clinch exchange. And then also I think that her, her improvements of the two, I think will be more pronounced than say both of their respective uh, most recent performances. We saw Caitlin not too long ago against Andras, whereas uh, Calvillo, it wasn't super long ago when we saw her fight Jessica I. That was uh, earlier this summer. Uh, but of the two, I think that based off the time off, based on where they're at respectively in their MMA careers, and uh, Calvillo obviously has not only been doing work at American Kickboxing Academy, but also places like uh, Tiger Muay Thai as well. I think that she kind of projects to have the more uh, significant improvements of the two. So my pick here is going to be uh, Cynthia Calvillo to win. Tim Means taking on Mike Perry, fun one here. Um, I think it's going to be won or lost on the feet primarily. Means does have a four-inch reach advantage. Both guys have shown that they could be hurt in the past, but I do definitely trust Perry's uh, chin more of the two at this stage. I mean, watching um, Tim Means' is like most recent four fights, you know, he was rocked badly by Nico Price, uh, knocked out there. Even prior to the actual stoppage, uh, what forced Means to shoot down on that takedown, I know we also saw him hurt badly multiple times against uh, Daniel Rodriguez there. Went down as a, a guillotine choke, but actually Rodriguez was hurting him. He rocked him badly at the end of round one. Uh, he also hurt him at multiple times in round two. And I also saw Means hurt at the four-minute, nine-second mark of round one against uh, Diego Alves. You know, his, his legs buckled there. Um, and he also seemed hurt against uh, Staropoli. He was really forcing a lot of clinch exchanges, was kind of hesitant, not really um, throwing a, as many punches as you're used to seeing at. Uh, seeing out of him. So uh, means his durability at this point is, is just a huge concern. I mean, like I said, Perry, don't get me wrong. He's been hurt in fights too. We saw him hurt against Jeff Neal, but also uh, Alan Jovan and Max Griffin as well, Santiago Ponzinibbio. But I definitely trust Perry's uh, chin more of the two. And I just trust his like overall willingness to take damage and uh, willingness to come forward more. Like Perry is basically a headhunter on the feet. Like he will walk you down. Um, he's fast, strong, athletic, and he will basically throw out feelers I call him like basically he'll throw some kicks, like he'll throw some some jabs occasionally, but he's mainly just trying to hunt for the hunt for the knockout, be a headhunter. Like he'll he'll throw that stuff, but it's it's all kind of uh, a way to get you to to draw draw out a strike from you so he could counter you and hit you with a big shot. Otherwise, just walk you down and land that big shot. So 
Um, I just think that in a smaller cage, again, I, even if it was in the bigger cage, I'd still favor Perry. Uh, Perry should be able to cut the octagon off. I think he's a bit quicker than Means at this point um, and probably land something big on Means and probably uh, earn a stoppage along the way. Uh, even if he doesn't knock out Means, I do think that there's a chance that we see uh, Means a little gun shy based off the threat of Perry's power. Uh, even if he isn't rocked, it might cause Means to be tentative. Um, and in terms of the grappling, even it, uh, if it does happen, I do think that P uh, Perry's a better clinch fighter. He's he's stronger. Um, I think he's the better grappler of the two. Uh, don't get me wrong. Means is definitely not a slouch on the ground either. He's definitely got some grappling chops as well. We saw that put on display last fight. But um, I do think that of the two, Perry's a bit better of a grappler. So um, I think that a, a, a striker's battle, uh, I favor Perry there. Better durability, uh, more power, a bit quicker, closer to his prime uh, of the two, I think. Uh, and then in terms of the grappling, I do favor means. So, uh, like I say, means, means has a shot, but I kind of think he needs to fight this perfect fight where he needs to kind of stick and move on the outside, uh, basically fight Perry, how like Max Griffin did just not really, uh, get, get too much into these phone booth exchanges with Perry. So you're not, uh, taking a whole lot of his shots. And I'm just not confident that ha that that happens because we haven't seen uh, means fight like that means just like Perry is basically a pressure fighter. Like he'll pressure you or, uh, he'll kind of, you know, take the center of the octagon and, and trade in the pocket with you. And I just think that that style and this type of fight against Perry, another power puncher. Um, I just think that Perry's going uh, to get, you know, find the the big shot, even though means does have the better, have the better head movement of the two um, overall, just find the, find the big shot and probably uh, hurt means to get a stoppage here. So uh, my pick is going to be Mike Perry. <coughs> Valentina Shevchenko taking on Jennifer Maya. Um, Big batting odds here, and it's not to say that Jennifer Meyer isn't a good fighter. She is a very talented fighter. Uh, she went out there and got a very impressive win last time against Joanne Calderwood. It's just Valentina Shevchenko is just so good, guys. Like she is amazing. I mean, I'm not <laughs> I'm not telling you anything new, but I just when I watch this woman fight, it is like basically what box does does she not check? You know, like it's just the, the striking. It's sharp. It's so technical. It's varied. Uh, she reads she reads you well. She has the perfect counters to whatever you want to throw at her so fast explosive she's strong in the clinch she's body lock takedown ability she's a strong grappler uh will advance position and top position hard ground and pound like what does this woman not do excellently and i don't have an answer for that like it's just when you're when you're analyzing her as a fighter it's it's just like what what doesn't this woman do excellently and like she's not even she's not even a woman who just like gets ahead of herself she's not in there that it's not like she doesn't fight with a smart game plan she fights with an optimal game plan, in my opinion. We see in her fight against Yoani and Jaychuk, a woman who she's the better striker than no doubt about it. We saw that in their fight, but she took Yoana down in that fight early on and had a lot of success as a path to least resistance. Win the fight that way. Make sure that your opponent does not have a, a better chance than they otherwise would by taking that path to least resistance. Same thing kind of in the list Carmouche fight. Yeah, Valentina's a better grappler than Carmouche, one could argue, but what is the path to least resistance? Okay, I'm just going to try and use my takedown defense, keep the fight standing and win on the feet that way because it's just much more uh, much more of a clear path to victory. So game plan-wise, strategy-wise, she checks that box. Skill set-wise, she's tremendous, very intelligent, doesn't get ahead of herself. She's just so skilled as a fighter. And in this matchup, it's just it's really tough for, for me to pick Jennifer Mai over her. I mean, I'm not going to really pick anybody over Valentina Shevchenko in this weight class for the time being. It's just I do not see any woman in this weight class, even though they are very talented. Don't get me wrong. There is a lot of talent in this weight class. But Valentina is just simply that good. She's just that talented that she's just got all the boxes checked. And she is just performing at such a high level to where I just don't see any of these women right now in the weight class uh, dethroning her. I mean, I really don't. 
So on the feet, I think Valentina's more technical. She's sharper. Um, she's got the the more varied and fluid attack, I'd say. Better counter striker. She make should make good reads on um Jennifer. Jennifer's got a like a shoot uh boxing uh type style where she's kind of like bobbing back and forth nonstop. But Valentina is gonna be well prepared for that. She's been striking for years now, uh, has prepared for various types of uh, you know, oppositions, uh, you know, striking backgrounds has all the right counters. She's got very good footwork. Does Valentina again, should be a little quicker to the punch. Um, I think that of the two, uh, Valentina would be the fighter more likely to knock out Maya than vice versa. So the better, better minute winner on the feet, um, and, and more, th uh, threatening fighter to finish the other on the feet is going to be Valentin Shevchenko for me. Um, in terms of the takedown, she might just use this path instead, uh, cause we have seen here, Jennifer Meyer taken down with, with relative ease. We saw that in the Liz Carmouche fight. Uh, she was even mounted by Liz Carmouche there a few times. So I think that Valentina, despite Maya being a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, might just be like, why don't I just take this woman down from the body lock, get in a dominant position, and maybe have an, uh, earn a stoppage along the way. I do think that she's got that in her arsenal. We saw her finish uh, Caitlin Jukagan, who's, a, again, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt on Henzo Gracie, get the mounted crucifix. I do think that Valentina is really strong in top position. She can advance position and she can earn another round and pound stoppage. So um, I think that Valentina's got this fight on the feet, on the ground. Uh, she's fought and beat the high level of opposition. And I think she's probably going to take her path leaves resistance here and, and take this fight to the ground and probably earn a stoppage there. So uh, pick to me, is Jen uh, excuse me, <laughs> is Valentina Shevchenko uh, to retain her title. Davison Figueredo taking on Alex Perez. I had to do a lot of if-then statements to kind of like dissect this matchup. Don't get me wrong. I'm not second-guessing my pick or anything. I'm going to end up picking uh, Davison Figueredo here. But I did that because there's not a whole lot of uh, – there's still some like missing pieces in this matchup, if you will. Let me explain. So Alex Perez, there really isn't any – there really isn't any footage of his – uh, defensive scrambling ability. What is what does Prez look like when he's actually put on his back, taken down, uh, put in submission attempts in the UFC's octagon? Obviously, he's been submitted before, but it was a while ago. I think he's definitely a very young and talented fighter, probably better than when he got submitted a few years ago. Confidently could say that, right? Uh, considering the level that he's performing at right now. But there's still some, some things that are kind of ambiguous at this point. Um, we don't know what his defensive grappling is really like. We also don't know a whole lot about his durability. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think he's got bad durability, but this is something worth noting because you're facing a guy in Devison Figueredo who has the heaviest hands in this weight class, I think. I mean, this guy hits so hard. He can hurt even durable fighters, and I'm referring to guys like Alexandre uh, Pantoja, who prior to that fight had never been stopped via strikes, and don't get me wrong, that fight went to decision, but he was able to hurt Pantoja several times and almost finish him. Um, so the dude's got enough power to hurt anybody. Um, not a high volume striker's Figueredo. He's much more of a counter striker, but he's very good at, at slipping out of the way. Very good footwork, distance management, reading you, uh, making sure that he has the right counter set up uh, to essentially hurt you. Um, so if these two are on the feet, even though I think Prez's striking is definitely coming along, he's talented there. Um, I have to favor Figueredo due to that power threat and countering ability. And Perez is susceptible to being countered. Uh, he was even getting countered there against uh, uh, Juicy Formiga. Uh, doesn't do the better, the, a good job of getting out of the pocket. You kind of need that in and out movement to really avoid those counters with Figueredo. Not easy to do, but uh, it it goes back to the point. It, it's going to take a fighter who really has everything all together. You need to have a fighter that has all these boxes checked: durability, in and out of the pocket movement 
wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you need a lot of to, – to have a fighter to beat Figueiredo, you need to have uh, excellent, excellent skill set in the various areas. And don't get me wrong, Perez is a very talented fighter, but uh, on the feet I'm going to favor Figueiredo there. I mean, I'm not necessarily thinking that Perez is going to go out here and, and just light him up like he did against Jose Shorty Torres – like he's going to be much more threatened by Figueredo's power and countering ability than in that fight. And as far as like the calf kick finish against Formiga, I mean, if he throws a naked calf kick, like he was doing there against Formiga, because those calf kicks were not set up, he just kept throwing them. I just think for uh, Figueredo just going to counter that uh, counter right off the calf kick. Why not? And, and probably uh, hurt Perez if that happens. Uh, so on the feet favor Figueredo, uh, the wrestling is where it could potentially be interesting, but, uh, still do think that Figueredo's defensive wrestling and scrambling ability should be good enough to uh, avoid any kind of significant top control time to make the fight very competitive, like in the, the Jared Brooks fight. Or I, I don't even think that Prez has, you know, uh, strong enough top control to say Juicy Formiga did, who uh, Figueredo beat. I mean, Prez has not advanced position a whole lot on the ground in the UFC. Don't get me wrong. He's landed a lot of takedowns. But how many times has he actually advanced position. I mean, he could threaten from the front headlock, but he's not this guy that just takes guys down and just passes their guard and ends up in dominant position like a Formiga did. Um, so it doesn't seem like Prez, like the Formiga path to victory is in the card. So maybe he takes Figueredo down. I definitely do think that Prez is a very good wrestler uh, in Formiga, or excuse me, Figueredo. Solid takedown defense, but definitely uh, not unstoppable. Like we said, saw him taken down against Brooks. Uh, Formiga. I do think that Prez is capable of getting him down, but I just don't know what he's going to do with it. Again, I don't think he's going to land any sort of significant ground and pound. I don't think he's going to pass Figueredo's guard with these. I mean, if anything, he's going to have to be careful uh, shooting a takedown in Figueredo because, again, Figueredo will go for that guillotine. He'll threaten you from his guard. Um, he's a high-level submission grappler. So it's a fight where I just think that Figueredo here uh, more pass to victory in that um, – you know, on the ground, he could potentially submit Prez, even though it is a question mark. What is uh, Prez's defensive submission grappling like? Like we said, it's kind of a question mark. Haven't really seen it get tested. I tried to look for those fights where he got submitted. Couldn't find him. Looked really hard for him. But the, he does have submission losses on his resume to guys that aren't particularly known uh, for high-level submission grappling. So it is in the cards for Formiga to – or excuse me, I keep saying Formiga, sorry. Figueredo to, to potentially lock something up. I don't think that that's impossible – on the ground. So I definitely think that even though Prez is a, a talented submission grappler himself, especially from the front headlock, he will need to mi mind his P's and Q's. And like I said, Figueredo could be taken down, but he has shown a uh, solid grant, uh, scrambling ability. There are times where he is content playing that guard game, uh, but there, you know, when he has the, that urgency to get back up, he's very good creating a scramble and making his way back to the feet. So assuming that Figueredo fights a smart fight, if he gets taken down, uh, just shows that willingness to get right back up and just keep the fight on the feet and just, you know, basically hit Prez with a lot of counters. I think he probably gets this fight uh, finished via stoppage. Again, I do think that there is a way that Prez could win, but it's a way that we haven't seen him win before. So when I'm predicting a fight, I don't typically like to lean with that side. You know, and what I'm referring to is Prez needs to kind of beat Figueredo like Formiga did, and we just haven't seen that out of him yet. He hasn't shown to be uh, a positionally uh, as dominantly uh, of a top control grapplers Formiga has in the UFC thus far. We haven't seen it. Um, so there, there's some unknowns there on the press side, but there's enough there to where I definitely do favor uh, Figueredo here to win, uh, to retain the 125 pound uh, men's flyweight strap. So that is it. Yeah, that is the breakdown. Wow. Um, didn't realize I wrapped that up that quick, but uh, yeah, uh, good card, really good card. Obviously a pay-per-view we've got 
four cards after this one. So uh, to my knowledge, I checked on, on Wikipedia. Um, you know, last event of the year is December 19th. And then we're going to be starting the new year. So last event of 2020, four events. If you like to tell my bets between now and then or next year, if you have any questions, uh, please feel free to hit me up. Gmail, AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets.com, or excuse me, AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets at gmail.com um, or Twitter at AJ MMA Betting. Uh, the picks, the bets, excuse me, the bets, the betting subscription, AJ's Action Pack Sports Bets.com backslash premium hyphen subscription. Also, MMAOddsBreaker.com on the backslash premium picks tab. And like I said, all my bets are third party tracked and verified uh, at betmma.tips backslash AnthonyS364. Uh, testimonies of subscribers um, are on the website as well on that respective section. So um, everything is out there. Everything is transparent. Have any questions, feel free to ask. I love doing this. So uh, don't feel like you're bothering me by just asking, hey, what do I get out of a script- subscription if it's not clear to you? Again, it's the bets. Uh, and you receive my rationale for the bets via email. It's typed up. It's as thorough as I can make it without it being you know, uh, too boring, relatively concise to the point. Um, and also the DraftKings picks and analysis, which is usually my, my list of favorite plays that I'm prioritizing um, in cash games and tournaments, and also uh, an analysis via podcast form. So, um, and like I said before, the longer the term you commit to, uh, the cheaper price respectively you'll get. So again, if you commit to uh, a trial offer, a one event offer, it's 35 bucks. But if you commit to the one month for four consecutive UFC events, so that's four times that amount, than the trial offer, you get only $55 for a month, one month subscription. And like I said, I do that because, you know, it, it, this is a long-term game. I don't perceive this as just like one and done. Oh yeah, I did good this event. Oh yeah, this is awesome. No, no, no. Like this is this is a long-term humbling game <laughs> that, that I perceive it as personally. So uh, again, I, I know that everybody doesn't look at it that way and that's totally fine, but I'm just explaining to you the, the reason why um, I, I have the cheaper uh relatively cheaper the discounted prices on the longer the term you commit to because i do think that there's definitely more value in in, in really long term with this that then say just short term one one or two events yes quick wins are nice no doubt about it i like quick wins but uh they are not end all be all it is just one step in the long journey so uh if you're still sticking around after this long-winded rant thank you so much i appreciate it i'm um, wishing you all well and uh take care and have a nice day